Hello, I'm PNG, and welcome to the PNG Podcast, episode number 19. Now, today is a special episode because we have a special guest. Say hello to Eli from Wisdom Tree Games. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> hey, man. Glad to have you on the show. And thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, care to tell us about yourself. Okay, uh, well, again, my name is Eli, and I am currently working, um, you know, with Wisdom Tree. It's an old game developer, 25-year-old game developer that concentrated in, in Bible-oriented and, and Christian video games. Uh, however, um, my main job is at Pico Interactive, which I am the founder, and we develop and produce and rescue and publish uh, retro video games in their original formats, you know, game, game cartridges like NES, Super NES, Sega Genesis, uh, and Game Boy. That's fantastic. Um, I, you know, I did not know you were like, you, you founded Pico Interactive? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, okay. Yeah, I, 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 like I told you off, off the air, we started uh, with a Kickstarter for a, for a Super Nintendo multi-card with four homebrew games. And that's sort of how everything started, you know, with that Kickstarter. And then we started moving up. And then we licensed Super Noah's Ark. And, you know, we sort of like took off little by little. Now, this you said it was a Super Nintendo multi-card, correct? Yes. So which of the four games are on uh, the cartridge? Okay, so they were they were four homebrew games. They were smaller games. Um, and that's why we decided to put four in one cartridge to make it worth it. And one of them, it's called Yule, the Quest of Money. It's like a platformer, a room-based platformer. Uh, the other one, it was, it's called, um, it was a Japanese name, um, Enrap Daisakusen. That was, that's the name. It's like a um, free-for-all fighter, sort of like, you know, like a tone, very, very toned-down Smash Bros. And then the other one was uh, called, it's called Skipping Friends, which is uh, like a sort of like an adventure puzzle game, similar to, uh, I don't know if you played The Lost Vikings. It's oh, yeah. Similar gameplay. It's it, Instead of being platformer, it's uh, top-down, but it's the same, you know, the same plot where you, you have three characters with different um, skills, and using those skills, you need to escape from, you know, the level. And then uh, we had also another one that's called Maysam, which uh, it was a puzzle where you had to move objects, you know, to get out of like a room, like a dungeon. And that was it. It was, you know, it was uh, about two hours of gameplay if you play all of them all, all the way through. So, yeah, that was our first first project. <laughs> now, since you're kind of new to Wizardry, right? Yeah, you weren't there originally. So when did you first come to hearing about Wisdom Tree? Uh, well, I, I first went to hear about Wisdom Tree when I started to collecting a little bit more serious, um, you know, Super Nintendo. I collect Super Nintendo games. And it was about, I think it was like 2007, 2008, when I started to collect a little more serious. Uh, actually, I sort of like paid for, for living, um, you know, when I was in, in college by buying and selling games. So... You know, when you start buying and selling games, you start 
researching the prices, the value and all that. And, and then that's how I, you know, I started reading about the rare video games for Super Nintendo and then Super Noah's Ark was pretty rare already back in 2007, 2008. So that's, that was my very first, you know, time of, of reading and knowing about um, Wisdom Tree games. Now, Super Noah's Ark 3D is a very interesting game because I understand id Software provided Wisdom Tree the code to make that game. Is that true? Yeah, at the time, id Software had developed um, Wolfenstein. And since they you know, released, it was so successful that they decided to start licensing the engine. So they did for, for several other games. I, I don't have, I don't know the, you know, the names by memory, but, you know, Super Noah's Art was one of them. Um, they just licensed. And initially, it was licensed to make a, a game, a secular game um, by Color Dreams, the company that Wisdom Tree came from. And it was going to be the game uh, from the movie Hellraiser, the, the horror movie. But... Oh. It, yeah, but they changed, you know, they decided to to move into the religious theme games and they changed, they, they moved platforms from NES to Super NES and then they changed completely the game. The, the theme of the game was now uh, Noah's Ark. That's quite the contrast, Hellraiser to Noah's Ark. That's, I know. <laughs> it's complete opposite, you know. <laughs> um, I think that's really fascinating. I mean, you know, I always heard... Um, Wisdom Tree, not not Wisdom Tree. Uh, it Software was a little bit grumpy with Nintendo for censoring their game. So I understand because Wisdom Tree would put out a lot of unlicensed releases for Nintendo yeah. consoles, and I feel like you know Nintendo they're very anti-piracy. I heard like that was one of the main reasons for them doing that was was just as a slight to Nintendo. What what would you uh, say to that? Um, no, and that's just a room a rumor. I think. Uh, that rumor came to, you know, to light whenever the angry video game nerds start doing their, you know, their reviews on, on Wisdom Tree. And honestly, I don't know where he came with that. You know, he probably just, you know, added it for humor or something. And, and you know, it's sort of like stick people, you know, we'll still get people on Steam or on our email saying, oh, well, you you got the engine from it's over because they were mad or whatever. But now that I mean, it software had they just were licensing the engine for other people to make games. They got paid. They gave the the, the engine, and you know, Wisdom Tree made Super Noah's Ark. You know, I always found that quite fascinating because originally when I heard about Wisdom Tree, Wisdom Tree was through the nerd, and I've always thought that was one of the most amusing things he actually said. And to find out it's not true after all these years is is quite interesting. <laughs> So I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So hear, you, hear that, you guys are uh, myth-busted uh, on the PNG yeah. podcast. It's, it's out. You all know. <laughs> but um, originally, those videos made me interested in your company, and I really wanted to play and collect Wisdom Tree games. And I got Bible Adventures, Spiritual Warfare, and King of Kings. And I probably wouldn't have heard of these or bought these if I wasn't watching his series. And... I'm glad I did because I really have a lot of fun at these games. They're really entertaining. They are. I mean, they, their main focus was, and this is what I keep telling to people when they, when they say, well, Super Noah's Ark sucks. You know, it's just Noah feeding goats. They're, the main 
audience that Wisdom Tree at the time was trying to target are small kids, you know, so the games had to be, you know, toned down and well, difficulty, quote unquote, because compared to games back then, but they still were pretty difficult and mechanics and overall how complex the game was, you know, they were pretty toned down and, and simple, made simple because they were made for smaller kids and they were released mid mid to end of the life of the NES and for Super Nintendo Arcade was uh, it was I think 94 so Super Nintendo was already you know midlife as well so 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 you know that's one of the re one of the reasons people think they that the games suck but it's not really that they suck it's that they're simpler compared to other Nintendo masterpiece pieces now I have a question um revolving around the transition from Color Dreams to Wisdom Tree. Now, I've played many Color Dreams games. Um, one I actually play on my channel called Robo Demons, and I think it's hilarious, that game. Have you played Robo Demons? Uh, I have played Robo Demons, um, but not, I haven't finished it. Okay, all right. So, you guys went from playing, making games like, say, Robo Demons, and what was it? Not Sunday Funday. The one Sunday... Menace Beach. Menace Beach. Okay, Menace Beach, yeah. You know, we're at the end of the level. You have to save your girlfriend and her yeah. clothes start deteriorating. And I think that was what Color Dream's last game, correct? It, it, it was, and it, was, it, it is one of the last uh, Nintendo the NES games released. I don't know if it's the last one or one of the few that, you know, the last games that were published for, for the console. Now... When Color Dreams was making these games, what invoked them to start making Bible games, Wisdom Tree? What what was a major factor in that decision? Well, okay. So um, there's sort of like two stories, uh, you know, and you you don't you you don't really know which one's completely true or which one has, you know, parts that are different or anything because we weren't there back then, right? Uh, we were just kids, but you know, one of one of the reasons was because the the owners of the Color Dreams company, you know, converted to the Christianity, so they sort of like said, you know, let's let's move away from uh, secular games and let's start doing uh, Christian games. Now another thing was, which I think had much more uh, influence, it was that. Um, Nintendo at the time, you know, got frustrated and, and I, I, they actually lost a couple of lawsuits against Color Dreams and Accolade and I, I think Tangent too, or not Tangent, I think not, not with Tangent, but with Color Dreams and Accolade uh, that they didn't want people, uh, companies selling, uh, retailers selling unlicensed games. So they said, you know what, if you carry unlicensed games, we're not gonna sell you Nintendo consoles or new games you know, for you to resell. So all the retailers, you know, backed off from all licensed games. So Color Dreams was, you know, their profits were, went down. And since Nintendo was pretty strict back then with their, um, with their rules and requirements for, for the, the content of the games, uh, they couldn't do Christian games. Uh, they didn't allow Christian games. So they, and retailers, Christian retailers didn't have regular games. So they decided to let's do Christian games and sell on Christian retailers and let's see how it goes. And it 
you know, Bible Adventures was released and I think it sold like 200,000 copies uh, on the Christian retailers. And that's sort of like wow. what kicked off um, Wisdom Tree. That's, that's great. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, so I understand the owners converted and decided to change to Bible, you know, like Wisdom Tree. But how are, how is the rest of the team? Like, how were they receptive to that? Were they on board or? Uh, I've, I've not talked to a lot of the guys from back then, but once, um, once the, you know, the, this, the regular games stopped being sold in retailers, like, uh, this is just me, I guess they got turned off and they started moving away, you know, moving to different jobs. So some, uh, I, I don't know, if, uh, for example, the, the lady that owned Wisdom Tree was a marketing manager at Wisdom Tree when, and, and then she, when they were, whenever they were going to close down, she bought out the company. Uh, so I, I guess some of the people were, were, you know, were fine, were enthusiastic about doing Christian or Bible games. And some other people were like, no, let's, 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 you know, let's move up away from this. Let's go to another company. Okay. Yeah. See, I wasn't, divide. The divide, right? Yeah. When you make big changes, you never know how the whole team is going to take it. Right. Yeah. Now I have a question. I've come to acquire a certain game in my collection called Max D15. Uh, have okay. you heard of this one? Yes. It's a collection of licensed games from Comerica. Um, the, I Amer forgot the other number. The so other there are some games by Comerica, American Video Entertainment, and American Color Dreams on this. Yes. Yeah. And I wanted to know what Wisdom Tree or Color Dreams thoughts were towards the other unlicensed game companies. Was it more of like collaborative or competitive? I'm pretty sure it was very collaborative because if you and this is just me, like through my own research, if you go if you go in and see the credits and the and the games and all like they sort of like work together or they they either borrow developers or programmers from others and they i mean i know like they had in common the company um such I, I don't know a lot about this story like there's people that in forums i know a lot more but i know they they share a couple of games from sachin i think that that's the name of the company it was a chinese developer and they did a lot of games for for both Comerica or, or American Video Game Entertainment and, and Call of Dreams. So I guess it was collaborative. I mean, they 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 sort of tried to, um, you know, keep afloat a unlicensed game market, I'd say, you know. Um, one other company, it's Codemasters, I think. Codemasters also did unlicensed games, right? Yes, yeah. actually. And actually, they were very good. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have played any Codemasters games. They're they're quite good. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were up good. there. Um, I guess I guess he was a pretty much the best unlicensed uh, developer. Codemasters with the Dizzy games from the Twin Brothers, um, the Micro Machines, and and a lot of you know European developers developer games that were ported into the NES. And the so main the game, game genie. So. <laughs> what was that? And they made Game Genie as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. Game Genie, which I know Hyperkin owns the right, the rights to that now. The oh, Hyperkin, really? Yeah, they they so I, I don't know if they bought it off Codemasters or from other company, but I know for sure they own that trademark and, and brand now. Hmm. Um, and then they they did the Aladdin Deck Nancer, also. Uh, was it Codemaster, right? 
I'm not sure of that one. I, I, I'm just not aware of that one. So it was it was sort of like an add-on, not an add-on, like an adapter for the NES, and you will plug in like you put with yeah, plug in into that adapter a smaller cartridge, and then you put that into the NES co console, and then you will play that game. And there were several games released only for the you know the Aladdin uh, deck enhancer. So I think it was Codemaster that did it. I can check right now. I think I think yeah, it was Comerica, so yeah, it must yeah. have been. Yeah, it was. It, uh, the developer was Codemasters, and then Comerica did the publishing. So you yeah, know, you, could, you could see sort of like a collaborate, you know, collaboration through all the licensed companies. Now, when I was getting really heavy into NES collecting, I would always see a Comerica version or an Aladdin version, and the Aladdin version was always more expensive. But because they I, they made less units, I don't know if there's any records. For how many games um, they did, I mean, how many units they sold, but I don't think it sold very, very well. I'm pretty sure like the company is called Comerica. I think just in Canada and the UK, and I think it's Galoob in the states. Um, the company Comerica. Comerica. Uh, I I thought Comerica also was like ended up being. Like that bought out by an Australian company, I think that they that they're still alive and they're like a accessory distributors for for controllers and memory cards and stuff like that. I don't know if it's Comerica or it was American Video Game Entertainment. Yeah, I'm not sure, but you know, Satchin games those are very rare. I mean, I, you never see those, but. The one Satchin game I wouldn't mind owning is a little game I like to call Little Red Hood. Have you guys heard of this game? No, yep. I haven't. Yep. Yes, it's a, it's an interesting Satchin game. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a copy on eBay, now that I think about it. But it's definitely one of the strangest ones in the NES library, for sure. Is Very it on the uh, top sorry, down. what? Huh, look, it's, let me, I'm trying to watch a video right now. Um, is it like a top-down RPG sort of action adventure? I, I guess you could say that, yeah. I wonder if it's running on Spiritual Warfare engine or vice versa. <laughs> sort of looks like it. Anyways. <laughs> now, um, what was your most fond Wisdom Tree game? Like, what would you say is your favorite Wisdom Tree game? As well, what would you say is your least favorite Wisdom Tree game? Um. Okay. It's a little bit hard. Uh, I guess I have a special place for Super Nozark because it was my first commercial game that we licensed, right? And now we own it. But game-wise, I'm I'm a sucker for RPG games or action-adventure games or games like Zelda, so I really like Spiritual Warfare. But uh, I've had the most fun with uh, Fishfall. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know... It's sort of like a mixture of the three. Now, what would you say is your least favorite? Which one do you just not oh, the like? The least favorite. Um, uh, well, I don't like board games, so Bible Buffet it will be my least uh, favorite game, and then um, probably Sunday Fun Day. Really? Yeah, I don't like Sunday Fun Day. <laughs> it's a hard one to play. I think. I, it's I mean, I played Venice Beach, and it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not the is not the best. I mean, it would work if it was a, just a platformer, but they sort of like try to make it a beat-em-up where you have to beat 
the, the enemy before going to the next screen. And it, it's annoying <laughs> because it's pretty hard to, to kill those or, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say kill. I don't know what you do to them. You sort of like just make them disappear. Uh, to, to other guys. Uh, vaporize. You vaporize, vaporize. them. Vaporize. <laughs> you that's, send that's them a... to Sunday school. Yes. yes. Now, the plot of spiritual warfare essentially is to basically there's demons everywhere. And what exactly do you do to the demons? Do you purify them? Is that no, what it is? Absolutely. Okay, the, plot, the plot is like, you know, you're, you're in your neighborhood or your city and it was you know, there's a bunch of different people that are possessed or are sinning, and you sort of like try to not pray for them. You you speak with the fruit of the spirit, like each different fruit, or it's a power up, and it means something else from the Bible. So okay. so kindness or whatever. So you whatever you like shooting at, it's one of the fruits of the spirit, and whenever you you make you know you shoot that at, at people. That where for says you convert them into Christianity and then the demon goes fly away flying. And they, they turn into little doves when you uh, defeat them, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that reminds me of a like game Dante's Inferno very slightly, the eight bit version. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That was a brilliant game. I haven't played that one actually. It's on my list uh, of games Dante's to play. Inferno. Dante's I Inferno. Heard, I heard it's quite good. Quite a good game. It is good. It's a good game. But, the story um, is brilliant as well. Like really interesting. Well, the story, the story of that game is sort of like I, I don't want to say it came. It, it's it's from a, an old era tour. The Divine Comedy. It's the based Divine off Comedy, of, and it's yeah. supposed to be a dark comedy, but they made it into this horror story. You know, with with like oh, yeah. very. I flicked through like some of the Divine Comedy. It is apart from Virgil and Dante, it is completely different from different, what the game right? is like. It's it's you know they made their own their own thing with the with the with the text. However, it is one of the most creative like landscapes, and I think it's a brilliant premise to be honest. It, yeah, it's something yeah, that should yeah. be worked on more. Yeah, no, I, I liked it too. I, I wish they would make like a two D version Castlevania style of that game. See, that would be interesting. I, I see. I, I think we need more games like that, to be honest. Games based off old stories. There's so much creativity you can do. I don't know why they haven't done a story about Beowulf, uh, a game like Beowulf. that. No, there was a well, game. Beowulf. Was a it was on the 360, but it was <laughs> terrible. Wasn't it based on the computer and on the movie though? It was yeah. based on the movie. <laughs> uh, it's like, apparently I, awful. <laughs> it's that's all I heard. Oh no. So. I understand uh, Wisdom Tree as opposed to, like, say, violent video games, correct? Yeah, uh, okay, what was that again? Wisdom Tree, in a sense, is uh, opposed to violence in video games, correct? Yeah, well, they tried to keep the, they tried to keep the, the games non-violent because they were targeted to small, um, younger kids. We got a, oh. we, you got a new fighter or challenger. <laughs> a new challenger approaches. We got Ed. Hello, Ed. How are you doing? Good, good. Glad to have you on the show again. It's always an honor. Ed, uh, meet Eli. What's up, Ed? Hi. Hi, Eli. How are you doing? Good. What about you? I'm doing pretty good. I just got home. I've been very excited to be on this podcast today. Nice. This is Todd Light. Yeah, you, you missed some good stuff, man. Uh, we <laughs> talked a lot about uh, 
We got Sunday Fun Day. We talked about Supernova's Arc. Awesome. Yeah, it was good. Well, continue. <laughs> so you've told us about your favorite Wisdom Tree game, and your least favorite Wisdom Tree game would be. Do you have a favorite Color Dreams game? Um, Color Dreams games. Uh, I think. Uh, that's a tough one. I, Master Chu. Master Chu and the Junk God Fu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of like a Ninja Gaiden Castlevania style game, but it's their engine. The engine's pretty not polished. So I guess you know if, if you, they would have made that game polished, where the controls work, you know, sort of like perfectly, it would have been right up there, like with 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 uh, good games on the NES, like Monsters in My Pocket or something like that. Interesting choice. So yeah. just out of interest, though, going yeah. back to the uh, the violence of video games, from your personal opinion, right, as someone who uh, has developed or you know worked in the Christian games, what what do you think about violence in video games? Well, you know, you always you always have to consider who is your target audience again. Yeah. Uh, if if you're working on a game that you want four or five year old, three year old kids, mm-hmm. you know, or two year old kids, or you know, young, very young audience, kin, kinder, kindergarten guy, uh, kids, you sort of want to tone down any violence or any yeah. any um, suggestions of violence. You know, once you go. Uh, Older, I mean, kids watch violence anyways, or they're gonna play. Even if they're playing Christian games, they're gonna play secular games, and they're gonna, you know, shoot at each other or 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 fight or whatever. Even sports have violence, man. You know, football, you're tackling people. Soccer, you're tackling, sliding, box, you're hitting other people. Karate, you're hitting. Them. So it's not like you know, as, as long as as the game is not gorish, you know, you're you're you're, you know, decapitating people or yeah. making it, Nothing you know, very weird, weird horror or, you know, creepy stuff. I, I think it's fine. Nice. So do you think, uh, so I'm just going to use the, myself as an example. So when I was uh, four, four years old, I think, I played uh, a True Crime. And okay. I, I, yeah, it is, it's pretty violent, uh, especially for a four-year-old. But, um, you know, okay. I, quick, I, quick, quick question. Yeah. You were four years old whenever True Crime Streets from LA came out? I'm only 16. Oh, okay. Yeah, I sound <laughs> I older. Like, How is that possible? Yeah, do I? <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not the first and you won't be the last, my friend. He's a time traveler. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm the time player. <laughs> but yeah, so... Lord. I am a time lord. So yeah, I played that when I was uh, when I was four, and I believe you know nothing bad happened to me. I, I, I hopefully I've uh, grown into you know, a respectable young man. And uh, so, do you think anything you know strictly bad can happen from allowing younger audiences playing you know violent games? Uh, I think that's the rep- repons- responsibility of their um, parents or their um, guardians. You know, you sort of like before you introduce you before you even introduce kids to media you sort of like have to explain or somehow teach them that you know movies are fiction they're not real it's just a show they're actors games you know games are just you know characters they're 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 not real you know you shouldn't be shooting people in the streets or or you know knocking people with a guitar in their head you know (laughs) you know even bob's the spongebob has sort of like violence and, and kids find it funny 
but I guess parents just just gotta or, or guardians, you know, aunts, uncle, grandparents, older brothers, sort of have to, you know, look out for their kids until they they by themselves can discern, okay, you know, these are just characters. I'm not supposed to kill people or I'm not supposed to hate people. And I guess, yeah. you know, the human nature usually is to be peaceful and, you know, not not engage in violence. So that uh combined with the te- with the with the yeah, teaching or, or, or you know structure of the parents should should make everybody a functional member of society. There we go. I had That's an awesome. interesting uh going off of that topic like i i had an interesting thing like when i i remember i was playing killer instinct uh, my parents got me that for around my 10th birthday but once they sort of realized that it was you know there was blood on the screen and stuff you know they sort of sat down and they're like this is make you uncomfortable you know you know this is make believe and stuff like that and i was like yeah yeah i understand that so yeah a lot can be said for parents as being active and aware of what's going on. Well, yeah, parents, you know, have done their job. <laughs> like yeah. they should be. Yeah. Well, for, when I was a kid, um, you know, I, I grew up in Mexico, right? So we got everything late. You know, Nintendo, we were like 1994 when we were barely getting it. Super Nintendo, 1997, 1998, 64. Ooh, wow. It was 1999. So I was about 12, 11 years old when, we, when I got my Nintendo 64 and I got it secondhand here in San Antonio, Texas, because kids were already selling their Nintendo 64 to buy the, the PlayStation or the next, or some of, I think the lady that we bought it from, um, their kids were moving into PC already. Nah, really. So, so I, we bought it and it came, you know, it was 180 bucks and it was a, the completing box, uh, Nintendo 64 with um, Mario 64, Star Fox, and a golden eye. You know, golden eyes, not even, you know, you can't even see that they're like people. They're just boxes moving, yeah. colored boxes. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad was like, he was always back then very religious or very like, you shouldn't be playing with violence. So he's like, you're not going to play golden eye. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to sell it. And then you'll buy another game you want. And, and me as a, like a 10 year old, whatever, I'm thinking, okay, you're taking away one one uh, game that's shooting soldiers or like it's about like a secret agent, a good guy, a police officer, whatever, trying to take out the bad guys, police officers, and you're leaving me with Star Fox, like another game that's shooting down planets <laughs> and spaceships, like is that your logic? <laughs> so, so I mean, you know, I guess as kids, you, you, you know, if, if you have a sense of, like if you're smart or, or you, you already have a sense of logic whenever you're a kid, your kid and, and you'll be fine and you're you know you can differentiate from from real violence and game violence and, and all that so yeah i don't know <laughs> it's because as, as a parent you need to know where to draw the border but so many times parents logic can be very contradictory especially when it comes to video game violence yeah yeah well i mean you have to remember a lot of our parents didn't play video games growing up, so I mean, when it was being introduced, you know, this this was a new media where the person could interact attacking. To them, that's probably like, well, what? Doing doing this to pixelated stuff, you know? So I mean, you can understand where some of them are coming from. Yeah. No, personally, uh, 
back when uh, the NES came out, my dad bought one and he actually played it uh, before I was even born. Uh, <laughs> and he used to play it a lot. Uh, and then when I was growing up, when I was two, three, four years old, uh, I would play on it all the time. And it was never sort of like, and we had, we had games like uh Gogo 13. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. is not a kid's game. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, <laughs> that big of a deal. It's like, it's like, yeah, it, it's an okay game, but like, I, I just, I personally would barely ever play it because I'd much rather play something like Super Mario Bros. or Clue Clue Land. Not nowadays, that would be the opposite. Most teenagers would rather play the violent video game than. Oh yeah, I was, <laughs> I was playing Grand Theft Auto Five online for the first time in months, and everybody that I could hear because you can just hear people talking in the same uh, online world. Everybody sounded like they were 10 years old or younger. As like, someone who oh. plays CSGO, I can tell you the amount of kids you hear on that game, and Russian kids as well, that sounds so squeaky. It's like, oh, man. When when I was, um, you know, I was way younger. I was living still with my parents. was uh, barely uh, going to college. Uh, my little stepbrother, he was like eight, nine, and and one of the Grand Theft Auto's games was barely coming out. Like I don't know if it was like Vice City or the next, no, the, the one after Vice City. San Andreas. San Andreas. There you go. And and they like he was begging his dad um, to buy it for him, and I told him that I have played Grand Theft Auto since Grand Theft Auto 2. I was like ah, I'm not sure if that's the best game for him, you know. Get him another game, and he. And, you know, we went, he was like, no, he can get whatever he wants. And he was just, eh, I want one to fight. So we went to GameStop and the guy tells him, um, you know, this game is not for kids. You know, you, 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 you hire prostitutes and you kill people and all this. And it's about drugs. And his dad was like, eh, I don't care. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, he's, he, he played that game. And what really sort of like pissed me off was that, you know, as a kid, he didn't went and play the game and did the, the the quest and the object objectives and the tasks or whatever. He just went and started killing people and you know run them over. And that was it. That was him playing Grand Theft Auto. And, uh, you know, so did I, to be honest. That's all. Yeah. That's all I did. I feel like that's what a lot of people do with Grand Theft Auto when they first get it is just Rampage. the sandbox thing was so revolutionary at the time just the just pushing the limits of the game seeing how much you could get away with and stuff like that uh it was just yeah a lot of fun yeah like when when grand theft auto 3 came out it was just like controversy everything that you can immediately cause mayhem and kill everything and then then you kind of get over it and then you start doing missions yeah exactly but um it's interesting. Now, Eli, I want to. We've been talking a lot about retro games. What would you say is your favorite modern style game? Like, is there modern, a game you like? Oh no, I, I sort of well, modern on you know how how modern how new. I'd say 360 PS3 and onwards. 360. Okay, I, I guess the the last game that I really enjoyed for 360 was Halo 3. Nice. You know that was my, you know, the one that I really, really enjoy. I, I, I'm a big, big fan of um, 
survival horror, and I really liked Resident Evil. But, and I played Resident Evil 5, and I got like the special edition, whatever, and it was mm-hmm. a big disappointment Disappointment because it, it just changed, you know, went once, even though Resident Evil 4 was a, a third person sh- shooter, you know, like with a camera behind your back, mm-hmm. um, this is Resident Evil 5 was just like an action game, it was just like Call of Duty in Africa. It yeah. certainly wasn't horror, yeah. So, you know, I was so disappointed in the, in the genre and, and all that. So, uh, you know, I play mostly Halo online and FIFA online, or FIFA just with friends. Um, I played a little bit of Tears of War and I enjoyed it, but sort of like, you know, got over it pretty quick. And then the, the last game that I played, modern game, was. Resident Evil 6 because I still had hope on the franchise mm, and I played for like 10 minutes and it was like no big waste of, waste of money to yeah. get off and I haven't played <laughs> Xbox 360 since then. Have you played any of the uh, Resident Evil Revelations games? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I, think, I think 5 and 6 left a bad taste on a lot of people's mouths and they didn't yeah. go further afterwards. Like yeah. I, I, I had a friends to play five with, so I really enjoyed it. You know, like it's a good game. It's definitely a tonal shift. But the game itself was good. But Resident Evil Six, Leon's campaign was about the only thing I could stomach. The rest of it just started dragging on too long for me. For me it was Capcom trying to um, you know, sort of like hang or bang wagon from the, the Ah, what's the other zombie game they have? Rising Dead fame. It just felt like Rising Dead with Leon or with Resident Evil characters. It was just too many zombies, you know, everything too fast. I like my Resident Evil to be slow, scary, and frustrating. Yeah. See, for me, I think what helped make those earlier games scary was... One thing, the fixed camera angles, right? Yeah, so the like, fixed camera has... Yeah. With the fixed camera angles, sometimes you can't see necessarily what's behind certain obstacles, and you mm-hmm. walk slowly, and they come out, and it actually startles you, because you can't see. Yeah. You don't have as good control of your character, so you you kind of can't anticipate what's going to happen, which also brings more fear. Aside from that, I mean, a new game, you're just this huge marine with huge muscles and a machine gun and full yeah. control of your weapon, right? Yeah. So when zombies come at you with, like, a piece of plywood and you got an AK-47 in your hand, <laughs> zombies yeah. aren't no, so and, terrifying, you know? And every zombie out there has a freaking pack of, like, 20 shells of shotguns and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, ammo's not yeah. scarce at all. Yeah. I like, you know, resting... You know, when I... Well, I guess there, there's two ends of the spectrum on, on Survivor Horrors. Because um, I, I like Resident Evil. The best one for me is Resident Evil, the first one um, for PS1. That's the one that kept me, you know, on the edge of my seat most of the time. Resident Evil 2, I played on 64. It was pretty easy. Resident Evil 3, you know, it was sort of like Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 4 was pretty good. It was more into the action than the, the survival mm-hmm. horror, but still, you know, had some survival horror on it. But, you know, I just forgot. Oh, yeah. So... Whenever I got the GameCube versions for the remake of Resident Evil 1, I played it for like 20 minutes because I got so frustrated how invincible the zombies were, where you didn't, you had like 20 um, or 10 um, bullets and it took you 25 to kill one zombie and then you're done if you don't burn it. 
he's gonna come back and then you're not gonna find any other bullets and it was you know it was way on the other end of the spectrum too hard too you know frustrating not because you were you weren't seeing you know not because of fixed camera you had to survive with with uh or or, or you know with your ammunition being low or stuff like that it was just wasteful you know you were wasting all your resources in one zombie and i didn't like it as well so i i prefer the original ports than the the remakes have any of you ever played the handheld version of resident evil 2 for the gamecom oh no let's not talk about that, <laughs> that one, uh, you know what though it is it is more terrifying just because every time that the screen loads again uh like when you turn a corner uh it then has to like take an extra second to load up everything and then all of a sudden you see like a burning car and zombies all around you and <laughs> you have like nowhere to go nothing to do and it's like what am i supposed to do it's like right at the beginning of, of the game immediately throws you into just pure chaos, chaos. especially no. on on the game comments I will say one thing about um, the Resident Evil series. Um, like, I understand the, the that a lot of people traditionally liked it as the uh, survival horror, but I will say that the it was kind of interesting how everything started to ramp up. And I understand that the action really turned a lot of people off, but story-wise, you know, as Umbrella and other nefarious entities started gaining more control over the world, it seemed like sort of a logical progression for it to be more full-scale sort of war. Um, so it's kind of intriguing, but there are certain aspects of it that just sort of take it too far. I forget what it's called, but the latest, like one of the latest Resident Evil, uh, I think it's like... It's on Steam. I it's what one. Yeah, the one that like looks like a Call of Duty, like straight Umbrella, up like, Call of Duty. It's yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just way too far for me, you know. Well, it, it's like it's sort of worked much. on um, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Mm-hmm. Uh, which isn't, I, it, isn't it like a, a spin-off? It's not really following oh, yeah. the story. It's a spin-off, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. They they had other spin-offs and they didn't really work out. You know, you have the Dead Aim one that's like horrible. And I had a that um, was survivor. an okay uh, like like a shooter like arcade shooter. It was it was okay. And and then one that I really liked that it was one of the spin-offs. And it wasn't that much of a spin-off. It was just you know Raccoon City in the in the eyes of different characters. It was the outbreak ones. It was you know because you were oh, yeah. going against the clock and you will play online and all that. You know it it was pretty entertaining. I, you know, one of the spin-offs that really worked out for them, for, you know, in my in my eyes. Now, um, Eli, I kind of wanted to get back to Wisdom Tree on one thing. Okay. The Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. uh, just so you guys know, the Kickstarter has been funded. So yes. congratulations. Thank hey. you. I really appreciate the help from everybody, from you guys that covered it. Like, you were one of the first ones that covered it and talked about it. And to all the people that talked about it on, you know, on the other, in social media, their websites and their YouTube channels. You know, it was because of them and all the backers and all the people that, you know, that got the, the, the most expensive uh, reward and all that. You know, I'm really, really thankful. I really appreciate um, everything they do. And, you know, I really appreciate them 
giving uh, their money to it and, and pledging and, and trusting us. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Eli, I have a question for you. Um, a commenter wanted to ask this question. Yeah. Uh, I noticed you have all these stretch goals for the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So, let's see, at uh, 25,000, you got the controller overlay, 30,000, you got the Genesis game, 75,000, you got the 16 bit arcade. 150,000 is a Dreamcast game of Super Fruity Noah's Ark. Yeah. And the one I'm curious about is the $350,000 DVD. What exactly is the DVD? Eli? Eva? Oh. Do we lose him? He's still in the call. Yeah, I see him. We stumbled onto some secret information that should not be in our reaches. The mystery deepens. I like uh, how like his picture. He's like thinking, like, hmm. Oh, can I say to avoid lawsuits? <laughs> oh no! This is the one question people really wanted answered. Maybe it's just a like a behind-the-scenes making of kind of DVD. Yeah, but it says Super Fruity Noah's Ark. A lot of people seem to think it's a movie, but. It could be just like one of those interactive games, but I think people are trying to figure it out. Hey, Eli, if you can hear us, um, I think the best way to do this is to leave the call and then re-enter the call. His battery may have died. He didn't mention something about his battery before, didn't he? Yeah, if his battery died, he wouldn't be in the call anymore, would he? Ah. Uh. Hmm. Oh. oh, there it is. Oh, Eli. There we go. Yeah, we have, two, we have two Eli's now. Oh, there we go. One. Hey, Eli. My phone gave me the temperature on your iPhone needs to cool down before you can use it. So I don't know if it's dead or if it's going to survive, but it's burning. So I had to move to the computer real quick. Oh, sorry, Eli. Um, so basically, did you hear their question? Yeah, about the cartoon, the motion, motion picture. Oh, it's an actual oh. movie. Yeah, it's it's a movie. That, you know, I don't I don't think we're gonna get there, but basically, uh, I personally I always wanted to um, make a, a cartoon movie, yeah, you know, sixty minutes or ninety minutes movie, fully animated, hand hand drawn animation, you know, frame by frame, just like the old days. And oh, that nice. Was, that was oh, it. that's that's really cool, actually. You know, a lot of people were asking about it because they weren't exactly sure what the DVD was. So that's well, why I definitely wanted to ask. I wrote it on, on like as text, but on the image I didn't put, you know, cartoon or whatever animated animation. So yeah, I guess that's that's why they got confused. My bad. Well, at least now they'll find out via the PNG podcast. <laughs> In exclusive. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Eli. It's quiet again. It's creepy how we talk about survival horror and he sounded like he's in the boiler. Can you guys hear me? Oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah. So, Eli, uh, I know we mentioned this before, but would you consider... This computer... <laughs> uh, Eli, are you in the boiler room by chance? <laughs> This is creepy. No, uh, on my uh, on my shop. One, two, Freddy's I'm coming. I'm on my shop, for but you. I just. 
That sounds like a Slenderman, you know, when he gets you, and then like... Static. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eli, I know we were talking about this before, but would you consider bringing a collection of your Wisdom Tree games to modern consoles, like PS4, Xbox One? One second, can you guys hear me now again? Yeah. Yes. And now he's gone. Oh, there we yeah. go. Hey. Yeah, I changed back to the phone. The phone survived. Awesome, awesome. The so, other one, um, okay, so I have a, a computer here and it has a mic, but it sucks. And I guess you, you just experienced how bad it is. <laughs> oh, that was your mic. <laughs> I thought you were like in the furnace room or something. <laughs> how, no, I don't, I don't know how it sounds, so I, don't, I can't imagine, but. Oh, it was hilarious. Uh, it actually made for good comedy. We were, we were, we sounded like Nemer on Elm Street, like the boiler room. So. <laughs> no, I'm just in my garage. That's where. Ah. The okay. shop. That's where I work. Okay. All right. So, Eli, I was going to ask you, I know we were talking about this briefly, but uh, you know how you have like all these co collection games that you're working on? You got like the NES cart and you're putting them on Steam. Would you ever consider a digital compilation, like a digital collection? You know how like Sega does the Genesis collection and things like that? Would you do yeah, a Wisdom yeah. Tree collection for the new consoles, like Xbox One and PS4? <laughs> you know, I, I would. The only thing is that we don't have, we're not licensed for PS4 or Xbox 360. We are for Wii U, but eh. Do know. it. Now, and so for the PS4 and Xbox 360, if we sort of like can partner with anybody that that has a working emulator or has a, a dev kit and all that, um, you know, I'm, I'm down. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, I think with Xbox, I think they have like an indie creators program where you just sign up and just... You know, uh, you know what? We we I did we did sign up for that indie program back in 2014. Oh yeah. And we we got an emulator, but um, it's XNA uh, based, and there's a problem with emulation with on the an XNA toolkit that it doesn't uh. work uh, with the sound. Like you you can emulate games, but they don't have a sound. So and then whenever we started doing some uh, tests, the the games were running in like um, I think it was like like two frames per second or something like that. Oh, <laughs> oh god! Yeah. Well, it's it's a cool concept if you can ever get it to work. I mean, I know a few people who would definitely buy it. <laughs> also, I'd like to see people's reactions, like when IGN says, "Well, the Wisdom Tree collections out," and like just just see the review they would give. I'm very interested to see what they would do. I'm pretty sure the indie program shut down though, didn't it? No, no, no. It's it's still around. Still it's actually works. it's improved. Like it's much much better now. Really? Yeah. Oh, I I swear I read something like a while ago that they were shutting down the whole indie project thing. That was the launch of the Xbox One, and uh, that's why there isn't that many indie games on the Xbox originally because they had like these awful practices and policies, but they've since revoked all those. Right. So now people are coming back. There was a wow. lot of trash on the indie game wise on the 360. I remember browsing through oh, them when I had like... Oh, the 360, yeah. Not yeah, the Xbox One. The 360. Maybe Maker Extreme 2 comes to mind. That was like a <laughs> famous one. Well, there's this one game company. I'm not sure what they're called, but they just put all these really bad games on the Xbox Live Arcade indie store. And it's always like a Photoshop, like big boobed character. Oh, yeah. Who's like, not in the game. Yeah. And they sell the game based on that alone. And it's just awful. It's 
And it's like 80% of the games in the indie store are all made by the same company. I swear they made a one called Are You Smarter Than a Cheerleader? <laughs> that's, that's the one I kind of remember. Are you, Mather? I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest. These these damn kids with their expensive, you know, education. I, I can't match these cheerleaders. Uh, Eli? Yes? With Wisdom Tree, if Wisdom Tree was to make another retro-style game, like a brand new game, what concept would you do? Is there any ideas that you would come up with? Uh, Metroidvania. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, please. Um, do you have, like, a title or something like that? Like, what no, would you call it? I, I mean, we, we just, like, we're recently contacted by a, by a Genesis um, developer program. Oh. And we started talking about what he could do and the things that, you know, sort of, like, came into my mind. And, you know, the first thing I thought was, like, it would be pretty good to make a, well, not Metroidvania. It's probably going to be too much. But... Pennsylvania with a little bit of Metroid. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool to see. So, is it going to be a Bible game, right? Sort of. I mean, you know, we're not in the 90s anymore. We're, we're the evangelical, whatever, you know, they were like very preachy games and Jesus and do not sin or whatever. I'm, I'm you know, I'm more interested in saying, in telling Bible stories, you know, or does it have to, you know, completely be one-to-one -one with the Bible, it could be the characters. You could and, just have stories, you know, yeah, odd references. you know, it's, it's, the stories, the references, yes, and with a good uh, morale story at the end. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be preachy. I mean, Wisdom Tree is known for having preachy games, but since we own it now, we could do whatever we want. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff you could totally do. Yeah, it could basically be a little bit like Castlevania, where they do have those elements of Christianity, like the Holy Water and stuff like that. Yeah, but there's a lot that you can do without being like really preachy. Uh, I think it's a good because I mean the Bible in itself is a huge book, and there are hundreds of stories in this book, and some of those can be implemented into video games or even exactly. just ideas from it. And I think that's a cool idea. And I think I mean, Wisdom yeah. Tree of the '90s kind of laid a foundation for that, but now with 2016. You know, uh, gamers, they're much more mature now, right? A lot of us have grown up with video games. So maybe a more mature story would be great, but with elements of the Bible, story elements. Yeah. That could be cool. Exactly. I mean, you'd love to see some of the locations that I mentioned in the Bible. I mean, walking through the ruins of, like, Gomorrah, that would be pretty cool, you know? I mean, fighting demons, why not? <laughs> it would be, be pretty interesting to see what would happen. Yeah. You could still have links to the Bible and all that. Oh, you know what? I just thought of a cool idea. Can you know, like, the story of Noah, like Noah's Ark? So, okay, so you know how, like, I think in the story, like, God tells Noah, like, okay, your family is, like, they're, like, the only good people left. Um, we're going to flood the whole planet, except for you and your family and the animals, right? What if you play in this game as one of the people who doesn't get to go on the ark, and he's desperately trying to change his ways before the flood happens? That would be a cool concept. So you go around so, like, helping people and dealing with crime. So it's Grand Theft Auto meets Bible story, you know? <laughs> Maybe it could be more like um, Paperboy. Oh, yeah. Paperboy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like, so like many cool ideas. Messages and... Hey, uh, guys, um, um, I just wanted uh, to mention real quick, I might, be, might need to leave in 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. And um, we're just about to hit the hour mark anyways. Now, Eli, it's, it's yes. been amazing having you on the, on the podcast. We learned Thank so you. much about Wisdom Tree and Color Dreams and... 
I'm so excited to see what you guys have in store for us in the future. And I'm looking forward to receiving my NES card. By the way, since it's got funded, when do you think those NES cards will start shipping out? Um, no longer than November. I want everybody to have everything by Christmas, you know, either so you could have it on your tree or your plant <laughs> or your sofa, whatever you use. Your wisdom uh, tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to have it there by, by Christmas times or the holidays or even sooner. You know, you never know. Um, sometimes we are so efficient that, you know, <laughs> we, we get things done pretty quickly or so surprisingly quickly. Keeping awesome. the same quality. So, you know, once it's funded, we need a week or two to get everything sorted out with the funds, you know, uh, and then start organizing or well, doing the surveys, organizing what are we going to produce and, and whatnot, and start designing the, the new artwork for, for the special editions, and then send everything to the factory. Awesome. And I, when, I, when I receive my copy, I'm going to do an unboxing video on my channel. Oh, thank you. That would be yeah. awesome. Uh, I'll show people what it is, and it'll be good. Can't wait. I'll finally get a chance to own Sunday Fun Day, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, we're now, dropping a hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, Eli, before we end this podcast, is there anything you'd like to say? Uh, anything you'd like to promote? Well, um, I, you know, uh, again, thank you for everybody and for you guys for helping out, helping out with the with the Kickstarter and, you know, pledging and talking about it and sharing it. Uh, another thing that I'd like to mention is that through Pico Interactive, we're working on releasing three more, uh, four more games this year, maybe five. Uh, three of those are going to be Sega Genesis. One of them is uh, Action Puzzle. The other one's a beat-em-up. And the other one's, you know, an arcade, sort of like arcade multiplayer game. And then we're going to re release Iron Commando for Super Nintendo on an actual Super Nintendo cartridge as well. Um, and the other game still undecided. So, you know, stay tuned, you know, for, for Pico Interactive. Um, we usually send out an email and so people know when, when the, the games are ready to pre-order. And another thing I like to, you know, maybe it's a good topic for you, Nick, for you guys next time on the Retrobeat Generations. The, the new plug and play that Nintendo stole the idea from to do a, a retro plug and a plug and play. Um, you know, it's going to come out this year. I think it's going to be on stores by holidays and it's going to include a hundred retro games, you know, from nice. Capcom, IRAM, I think Data East and Jalico too. So stay tuned. The MSRP, I think is $60. So you're going to have yeah. 70 more games than the Nintendo any, uh, mini you know, with this plug and play with two controllers, the, 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 um, the console is going to have an SD card for you to save state and import and, and, and export a safe states, HDMI out, it's going to have USB controllers. So I think you can, you'll be able to use different USBs. Uh, I'm not sure if the Xbox 360 will work, but there's a bunch of different features, you know, especially playing retro video games on HDMI out and you know having more than 30 games so stay tuned hey, for that pretty keep good. an eye out i'm intrigued hmm. guys and uh before we end this podcast give eli three hundred fifty thousand dollars in kickstarter so he can get that cartoon <laughs> 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 
and we we you know i've i've even talked with any you know people that do any animation studios that could do it and with that budget we were able to achieve a very high quality anime you know animation it will look pretty good so you know if there's a big investor out there listening to the podcast and has an extra three hundred and fifty thousand dollars he wants to donate <laughs> do it now and you'll get a, a super nose art cartoon well with it do it guys uh thank you Eli, for coming on the show hey thank you png um thank you guys ed john and ed British guy, time lord. British guy, time lord. You know, I'll rule that. I like that British guy, time lord. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Me either. You should change your channel name to British guy, time lord. <laughs> British guy, time lord. I actually like the sound of that a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, actually. All right. Yeah, guys. Thank you for Thanks having for me. Bye. Nice talking. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. And um, Ed, uh, John, uh, Mather, be sure to do your shout outs now. Um, Tell us about your channels. Hi, uh, John, you can go. I'm going to bring up my little thing. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, thing. check out my YouTube channel, DragonDude2525. Uh, just going to be posting another video today. Uh, but, yeah, expect new videos every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, four videos a week uh, about uh, gaming, collecting, Action figures, movies, just about anything, all on there. Just go ahead and check it out. Uh, I'll go with me there next. All right, so uh, I am the Mavo, British guy, Time Lord. So currently, <laughs> since since the season finale of Mavo the Time Player, things been quite quiet on my channel. Uh, I've recently became involved in a another this uh, Counter Strike team called Team Macho. Uh, I've ended up just becoming the guy that edits and arranges stuff, and uh, we've started working on there. So you can check that out at uh, YouTube slash Team Macho, or like the third one that comes up. So hopefully that works. And uh, we've just got the Macho podcast started and got signed with Dayspace. So hooray! Awesome, we got a new sister show, or brother show. <laughs> what, what would you call it? The Macho po- Podcast? Is that it what is it is? The Macho Podcast. The macho a podcast, podcast about uh, Counter Strike, any game that's been created, internet drama, anything we talk about. Well, welcome to the Day Space Crew, Mather. Don't worry. And uh, just uh, I'll advertise you guys on our hours as well because I feel like a massive dick for that massive self advertisement of my own podcast. There. That's all right. <laughs> uh, Ed. All right. Let's face it, the golden era of RPGs has long passed. Robot Apocalypse Nile Scott Squad strives to recapture what made the SNES era of RPGs great while bringing its own bag of tricks. When the Robot Apocalypse is all but inevitable, can four unlikely heroes make a difference? Battle wacky enemies, meet funny locals, explore and discover untold secrets from bustling Bolton City to the treacherous Livewire Gallows. There's plenty to do in Elamon. Um, so I'm working on a video game. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. There's a lot of music and stuff. There's a couple sneak peeks of what the video game's progress is looking like. Uh, but yeah, be sure to check it out. Looked really good when I saw it, man. Very impressive. Uh, looking Especially forward cool. to the release. Really looking forward to it. As am I. <laughs> now, um, oh yeah. Oh yeah, so... Since we kind of started with the interview, I didn't really get to do the shout-out, so podcast overlords. Um, 
<clears throat> do you like podcasts? Would you like to see podcasts just like this one? Or maybe a little bit different? Well, now you can. All you have to do is type in the web browser, dayspace.com. There you will find many amazing podcasts by wonderful people. Just be sure to tell them PNG sent you, and you'll get a polite good for you. Also, feel free to download the podcast on iTunes, so you can take PNG on the go. Also, rate and review this episode. If you rate and review this episode, you will get... I'm going to impersonate Leafy's here. For oh, every God. person who rates and reviews my episode, I will give you $1 million cash. It's not even a joke. You're going to get $1 million sent straight to your house. Don't be okay. swayed by the Lizard King. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, day space, real podcasts live here. Okay, and, um, you know, feel free to like, comment, share, subscribe this video. Subscribe to all the people in the description below. Give Eli $350,000. Um, and help Super Noah's Ark 3D cartoon come out. Um... Play Robo Demons, play King of Kings, play Bible Adventures, Bible, Bible Buffet, answer all the trivia questions. Um, do not hail Satan. God damn it. I had to say it. <laughs> I wanted to say it. Well, I, gosh darn. Now what must I to say? Gosh darn it. Okay. Um, I don't know if I should add anything else to this podcast. I feel like I've said everything I need to say. Um, oh, yes. So I'm working on a Q&A video, so if you guys want to send in any questions, uh, put in the comment section or send them on Twitter. I'll make a Q&A video. Uh, keep the questions reasonable. Don't start asking ridiculous things like, what's your PIN number? <laughs> what's your mailing address? <laughs> what your PIN number is? <laughs> you know, not like normal questions, please. Um, I'm working also on getting a P.O. box, so if you guys want to send me ridiculous stuff that you want me to unbox, feel free to. Uh, if you guys wanted to see that garbage bag episode, uh, where I just opened a garbage bag full of games somebody gave me, that's on YouTube. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Dingle Bingle, the first real hater of the YouTube channel of PNG. Dingle Thank you. Bingle? Dingle Bindle. Exactly. Oh, Bindle. So, Dingle Bindle comes on my channel. Right. And he watches my unboxing video, the garbage bag, and his comment went a little something like this: "Weak-ass game collection." Wow! <laughs> I'm like, weak, wow. I'm like, well, weak-ass comment. No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> serious. Like, okay, where's your game collection, right? Um, also, it was the quickest review for Pokemon Red, and it was just like. You know how at the beginning I always say, like, the world's quickest review, or something like that? He was just like, world's dumbest joke, you know? In the comments, I'm like, okay, world's dumbest comment. World's <laughs> dumbest YouTube meme. Dingle Bindle. You know, uh, and then Moose jumps on the hype train, and he's just like, looks like we got a hater. <laughs> and then uh, the legend himself, Kill Bosby, returned. Oh, Bosby left a comment replying to Dingle Bindle, and it went a little something like this: <clears throat> "Blayo." I don't know what that means. <laughs> and there's where I end the there's where I end the podcast. Dingle Bindle and Kill Bosby. <laughs> <laughs>